Focus. Focus. The tide is coming in. But we've just begun our picnic. We aren't done with our game. Collect your beach blankets and playthings while you can. For the tide waits. For no man. Alright, welcome to our week 12 podcast. Week 12 review, week 13 preview. This is Processing College Football, the college football podcast designed to educate and entertain. I'm here with Mark Catlin, as always, our college football... You know what? I don't even have anything. I'm Jason, uh, college football ignoramus. Uh, Every week we process the highlights of the college football world, and I make Mark explain everything I don't understand, uh, which I guess is, I don't know, how to pick against the spread. But um, anyway, uh, Mark, how are you doing? Doing great. You know, last week I was in Denver, got back uh, to the Dirty Jersey yesterday, so I'm... uh... Settled in, ready to talk a little college football, and there's a lot to talk about. There is so much to talk about. Not that much to review, but it actually helps because we got a whole lot to preview. It's rivalry week, um, baby. So there's just a little bit of news at the top that mm-hmm. I want to talk about. Uh, notably, uh, the new playoff rankings came out. Um, most things at the top, I think one through six, one through seven, all stayed the same. Um, maybe one through eight. But... Uh, Ohio State, which last week was ranked 10th, is still ranked 10th, but UCF mm. moved above them. Mm-hmm. Mark, do you have any thoughts on this? <laughs> we previewed this game last week, the UCF game. Yeah, we did. We had, we had extensive uh, analysis on this. We did. Um, I, I mean, I do have thoughts on it. But I think what I'm going to do, Jason, is uh, I'm going to build the anticipation and wait till the final rankings come out. Oh, okay. See where see where Central Florida falls, and then I'll give all my hot takes on Central Florida versus the yeah. field. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, we'll just build some anticipation mm-hmm. around that. It's like a cliffhanger. Oh, big time. All right. Uh, the other bit of news is it seems like the coaching carousel has started to spin – uh, Kansas had fired their coach a few weeks ago, and uh, Colorado just fired their coach, Mike McIntyre, uh, after starting the season, I believe, 5-0, and and then losing the last six games uh, all in a row there. So Mike McIntyre's out. But Kansas, uh, as quickly as they got rid of someone, they found someone. They found our old pal Les Miles. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, they, uh, they visited Fansville. And got him out of there. They sure, they sure did. They said, how would you like to live in Kansas? <laughs> and Les was like, I love it. Yeah, I mean, he's like, yeah. they, uh, I, you know, and we were talking a little bit about this. I don't really know why, but this just feels perfect. Uh, Les Miles, been retired for a couple of years, or not retired, been out of football, coaching football for a couple of years. He had a stint in Fansville that was uh basically very electric i mean the way that that plot line developed was intense and it kind of centered around his character um all that being not true and a total joke he's just kind of been doing nothing for a couple years kansas on the field has also been doing nothing for a long time a long time at the beginning of this year i think we talked about how they were thinking about just killing their program entirely but 
then they make this move so so i mean it's an interesting move i mean it's a it's a great hire for kansas i think um and mm-hmm. less miles why not i mean go go to kansas coach some football there's zero pressure for you to do anything um it, there's no That's there's true. no expectation for you to win a national championship if you win the ceiling is if you if you like if, high, you, if yeah. you make it to a bowl ever you're like the greatest coach in Kansas history so yeah I mean I think it's a, it's a good match in that sense like it's you know, there's no pressure for less Kansas makes a big hire and I mean I think you know watching some stuff on the telly um, you know they were saying look <laughs> it's it's what it's November and we're here talking about Kansas right now. That's the impact That's that true. Les Miles has, and so I think as far as recruiting and things like that goes, it, it, it's it's whether it's great, who knows, but it's better than what Kansas has had, um, and so I think it's it, it'll be good to see Les Miles in a in a white hat with KU on it, mm-hmm. old Jayhawk, and eating some eating some Midwestern grass. It'll, yeah, it'll well, so good. you ask, you know, like why not? Like uh, why wouldn't he go to Kansas? But the trouble is that uh, the Louisville job is about to come open here, too. And Louisville is in Kentucky, home of the bluegrass. Mm. So it's probably better tasting over there. But Les Miles, so what he did by accepting this is basically he uh, agreed to forego the remainder of his LSU buyout, which he was getting paid the sum of $1.6 million a year. And so there was still $5 million left on the table. Um, And so he takes this job at Kansas. I haven't heard any of the details about his contract, but I'm guessing it's more than that. Although I sort of think that maybe there was a stipulation that if Kansas only paid him like a million dollars, then LSU still had to pay him something uh, additional to maybe match. Right. uh, But whatever. Uh, Les Miles is, is coaching again, and uh, and I'm really excited to see where this goes. He's not a young man, um, uh, and there was a lot of he, there was a lot of news about how he's really too old to to I guess be going to Kansas or something. But Nick Saban's about the same age, so uh, I don't know. And maybe it's just too old to start again. Anyway, uh, no news on the Colorado one, but stay tuned. We'll keep you uh, posted with all of the new coaching carousel hires and fires and whatnot. I expect it to be less active this year just because it was so active last year and the year before, as I understand it. Um, uh, Yeah, so uh, that's kind of all the news. There is one other thing I did want to talk about uh, here at the top of the show. it's not really news. It's just a fact I heard over the past week. Uh, our pals at USC mm-hmm. currently have thrown two interceptions the whole year. I, 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 I don't know. We just have to talk about this. That's the lowest number of any FBS team. And to me, this is a slap in the face of Sam Darnold, who basically built that program. <laughs> on interceptions <laughs> and frankly the new strategy has not worked out for them they're playing for a bowl this weekend uh i don't know i think they should go back to it they should start throwing some more interceptions yeah uh <laughs> we, we talked about old darnold last year a lot he was good for a couple of 
turnovers, either a, a sack, fumble, or interception. He still is. And he, he could lead clinics at USC if they need him and, to. And he, he really still is. I mean, it was perfect. His first, his first pass in a regular season professional game was a pick six. I mean, it, was, it was so beautiful. It's like this is the Sam Darnold I know and love. Um, but apparently USC misses it. You know They had a much better record last year. I wonder if they're going to go back and be like, you know, the key to this thing might be That's might right. be sparking sparking the the urgency with a couple picks. So, I know. think the rationale there is that uh, really things seem to go better the more the other team has the ball. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, I mean that's a wild stat, but man, it really didn't work out for him this year. But also, Sam Darnold didn't work out too well for the Jets this year either. So Not so far, yeah. anyway. So if you have questions you want us to answer, topics you want us to discuss, or terms you want us to define, send them in uh, at ProcessingCFB on Twitter, or you can reach us, ProcessingCollegeFootball at gmail.com by email. So, Mark, let's review the Week 12 games that we previewed last week. All right. So first we had kind of the big game of the weekend, UAB at Texas A&M. Texas A&M was just over a two-touchdown favorite when we previewed it. Went up to about 16.5 and and stayed there. Uh, This was uh, a night game on ESPN. This was prime time. Uh, Final score here was 41-20, Texas A&M. I I don't have a whole lot to say about this game. It was was upsetting to watch. I mean, I was was happy to see uh, UAB on such a big stage. and I, I want to say that they played well. Uh, they played well in, in starts, but uh, a lot of the, the damage done was self-inflicted. Uh, unfortunately, A.J. Ardley, our, our first-string quarterback, was not out there. He's still suffering from a shoulder injury. So Tyler Johnson was the quarterback, and he's young. He's a freshman. Um, he made a few mistakes. I think he threw two interceptions. Um, and... The funny thing, maybe this is funny, maybe it's not funny, but basically this game was not on television until after the FSU uh, Boston College game ended, uh, which went a little bit long. And so we missed the first nine seconds of this game. But in the first nine seconds, UAB fumbled the ball, Texas A&M recovered it, and scored. Uh, And that was kind of the theme for the whole night. Uh, At one point, uh, UAB was... uh, like returning like a kickoff and the the receiver I guess who was going to run the ball recovered it at the one yard line and seemed a little confused like maybe he'd signaled a fair catch but he didn't and so he kneeled the ball at the one yard line there was some thinking that maybe he thought he was in the end zone but he definitely oh, wasn't uh, so it just set up really poor field position and that was not the only time that things like that happened so um yeah, UAB really struggled uh, at Texas A&M. Well, I mean, those, those are the sort of mistakes that a big stage can, you know, make happen. You're not used to it, all that kind of stuff. But I do think that uh, this game would have been different if UAB had their starting quarterback out there. Um, 100%. And if they were playing at Legion Field, I mean, you do not walk into Legion Field. and <laughs> Oh, no. Not, <laughs> not the football capital of the South, my friend. No. So, uh, so congratulations to UAB. Uh, you know, to be perfectly honest, this game really didn't matter to them. You know, like this was just a fun little thing that they were doing on a Saturday. 
we got Middle Tennessee this weekend. Uh, we're going to see who's going to play for the Conference USA Championship. So, you know, we're just looking ahead. This is trash. <laughs> who cares about Texas A&M? No, I, I still think, I mean, even 41 to 20 is still respectable, though. You know, it is respectable. Um, I wish they'd covered. I, I, I did try to to wager on this game for the first time ever. I tried to wager on a sporting event, but apparently my appetite is not, uh, I don't know, ravenous enough. I tried to wager five dollars. <laughs> they're like, uh, we're sorry, that's too low. So. That's funny. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, seriously, UAB still has a lot to look forward to. I mean, in some sense, you know, it'd be a great game to win because it's Texas A&M, the SEC. <clears throat> But um, it is it isn't what UAB is playing for, uh, and so they'll take another step toward that this weekend. So uh, tough not to have the starter out there, but that's the breaks, I guess. All right, then we had number three Notre Dame, a nine point favorite against number twelve ranked Syracuse, uh, played at Yankee Stadium here in New York City. This was a two thirty p.m. game on NBC. Final score here thirty six to three. So Notre Dame beats a ranked Syracuse. Admittedly, I think that Syracuse was maybe a little overvalued, but uh, but still, Notre Dame beats up on a ranked team. Um, this was pretty impressive, and I don't even think that Syracuse got that field goal until like the last few seconds of the game. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I'm going to grant them a little bit of respect. And, of course, again, it's Syracuse. Did you watch any of this game? I did not. Um, it was boring from the start. You saved yourself a lot of wasted oh, time. Oh, well, good. That's that's good to know. Um, yeah, I think uh, – but, I mean, that final score, 36-3 against Syracuse. Uh, Syracuse has played some teams pretty stout this year. Uh, some of the top teams, including Clemson, I think. Um, and and so, I think Virginia Tech. <laughs> Virginia Tech. That, that powerhouse – the Hokies. Um, yeah, I think the Notre Dame is looking more and more like a legit team, uh, a legit three team, a legit top team. So that's kind of fun to watch. I mean, I think you know, maybe we're getting another preview a little too early. But to me, I think they're going to be in the playoff, and I think deservedly so. And so, yeah, big win for Notre Dame. Um, so, and I think they're looking more and more on the elite level as they kind of build throughout the season. So, uh, congrats sure. to the Irish. All right, then we had number 16, Iowa State, playing at Texas, number 15. Texas favored to win this by about a field goal, but they won it by two touchdowns. 24-10 to 10 was a final score here. Um, not much of a matchup, unfortunately. Feisty little Iowa State couldn't make anything really happen. Uh, the funny thing about this, I believe, does Texas play Oklahoma this next weekend? Is that true? No, no, no. Texas and Oklahoma have already played. Oh, right. Texas beat Oklahoma. I think it's it's West Virginia and Oklahoma this week. All right. So I don't have anything particularly notable to say about this game. I don't know. Did you watch this one? Uh, I caught a little bit of it. You know, I was in Denver at these conferences, but um, this game went about how I thought it would go. You know, if you're you're playing at Iowa State, it's a little bit different. Uh, I think, you know, maybe even the Cyclones pull it out. But, you know, it was a matter of, you know, which team's going to – because they're kind of very similar teams. They'll jump up and beat mm-hmm. a big team, but they'll lose teams they shouldn't. And it looked, you know, like about like I thought it would, and Texas uh, wins the game uh, relatively easily, but nothing too exciting to talk about. So uh, it just sets up a very interesting final weekend for the Big 12, really. 
Yeah. All right. So week 12 had kind of a, an admittedly light slate of games. It was it was almost interesting because uh, while there were relatively few upsets, if you look at where uh, the top teams were around the half, almost every team uh, was struggling against significantly lesser opponents in some cases. So uh, we, we didn't have anything really notable. I think we, week 12 historically was when Alabama lost to like Louisiana Monroe or something all them years ago. But um, but here, so here's where we were with like three top teams. So Alabama was tied at the half, 10-10 with the Citadel. Clemson was leading Duke 7-6 to until a minute before the half uh, when they scored uh, a touchdown. And Michigan was trailing against Indiana 17-15. to And I, I'm sure that you have the same thing going on, but when you have a college football podcast and someone like Clemson is losing to Duke, you get a bunch of people texting you saying, do you see the, the Clemson-Duke score? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I saw it, uh, and at no point did I think any of these would last. Uh, I mean, to me, the and, one that had the best chance of lasting was the Citadel. All right, so let's talk a little bit about that. We didn't preview that game because Alabama was a fifty-four and a half point favorite, uh, but they were tied ten ten uh, at the half. And if you watch that first half of of the game. It was baffling because I don't even think the the Citadel attempted a pass. So they're a triple option team. They ran it every single time, but they had seemingly little to no trouble breaking off like huge plays. I, I believe that their longest play in the first half was way longer than Alabama's play, uh, maybe the whole game. Uh, but it, it was it was insane. So yeah, tell me your thoughts on this one. Well, I mean, I think uh, the triple option thing, if you don't play against it that often and suddenly one week you got to learn it for a lesser team, you're probably not going to be as focused in preparation, uh, even though like it's very you're, you have to be very, very on point for, with your assignments. Because uh, basically what happens is one guy misses their assignment, it's going to go for 45 yards in the way the triple option works. Uh, and so Alabama was probably not that focused in practice and they get out there on the field and they realize oh although we are twice the size of these guys twice as fast twice as strong because we're not focused on our scheme and we're not uh you know filling our gaps like we should we're just not there to make the tackle when they make the pitch or the handoff on the dive or the quarterback fakes the pitch or whatever it is they're doing with the triple option so i think that was part of it uh, but that to me uh, that's not too unexpected. And in the second half, I think the defense made adjustments. It's, it's like Georgia Southern several years ago when uh, they ran for over 300 yards against uh, what was an all-world elite defense. Uh, and our defense, it's, it's been good. It was good against LSU and Mississippi State, but it hasn't been, you know, one of the – it's been one of the lesser Alabama defenses. So this isn't that confusing to me on the defensive side. The offensive side is what was baffling. Uh, the mm-hmm. offensive line didn't block well. We had several runs that were that were for loss. Uh, two was running for his li- life a lot. Uh, the offense just looked sluggish and whatever. And we have – and uh, Tua didn't have the brace on. You know, he didn't even have the brace on. So allegedly his knee is healthy. Um, and it just they just looked sluggish. They looked like they weren't in the game. And so for me, this is another reason why I actually think if you had started Mac Jones – 
Mac Jones is looking at his one opportunity to start a football game and make an impact, he's going to have a little bit more of a sense of urgency. The guys around him are going to have more of a sense of urgency. Whereas with Tua, I think you walk Tua out there, and the assumption is, yeah, we're going to score 50 points in the first half. This game's going to be over. So you just kind of go through the motions, and you don't have that sense of urgency that you need. Um, and so I think that's that was part of it. But I really do not have an explanation for Alabama's offense in the first half against the Citadel. Very concerning. Very terrible. Uh, they did turn it on in the second half, I guess. But that for an entire first half, our offense could be sluggish against the Citadel is very mm. concerning going into the Auburn and Georgia game. Now, it is different in terms of mental preparation and focus and all that kind of stuff. I don't think, at least one would hope, Alabama will not just kind of mail it in against Auburn or Georgia, but uh, I think it was the, the offensive side of the ball is very concerning to the point where I would not have been surprised if – Clemson had been number one in the college football playoff rather than Alabama yeah. this week. Because I certainly think if it was closer, yeah. that would have been the case. So, um, anyway, I, I don't know. It was it was a little concerning. We'll see how they come out against Auburn. If the offense starts slow again against Auburn, then I think there's a problem, and it, it, it'll it'll need to be diagnosed in order to beat Georgia. So the final score of this game was 50 to 17. And I actually <laughs> read an article that because of the way that uh, Alabama played in the first half, this was actually uh, a dream result for Nick Saban uh, because they still ended oh, up yeah. dominating the opponent, but he still gets something uh, that he can yell at them oh, all man. week I about. Bet, I bet he's got the first half of this game playing in the locker room all the time. Yeah, uh, those huge runs they broke forty plus yard runs seemed yeah. pretty consistent. Run, it was I think pretty, was pretty insane. Um, but yeah, I mean, if I'm Nick Saban, I'm definitely happy with this game. Um, <laughs> On the inside, yeah. I mean, you can you got something to talk to your players about because this is what he was telling people like me last week, right? You just can't mail it in. You got to be focused. Tough opponent. Yeah, he's like, take them seriously. Like, okay, guys, a uh, four and five FCS team. Do you now believe me? <laughs> like. Said we need to focus. We need to take this opponent seriously, and we were tied ten to ten with a freaking citadel. Uh, yeah. How are you going to prep this week for Auburn? How are you going to prep for Georgia? It does. It is a lot easier to bring uh, the team into focus after a game like this. So, oh, yeah. so Nick let, let me ask you this: since we're, uh, you know what? I'll save it because okay. uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Georgia in a minute. Uh, then just to kind of wrap things up, uh, Clemson ended up winning their game against Duke. Uh, the final score was 35 to six. So Duke, after those those six points, didn't score anymore. Uh, Michigan, as I said, was trailing Indiana at the half, 17 to 15, and they ended up winning 31 to 20. So that's kind of, I think, all the games I want to talk about from week 12. And we have to get to week 13 because yeah, there is so much. All right, you ready? I'm ready. It's gonna be a whole day of team sports and beer. Get the old heart rate up. Maybe pound a cheeseburger in the sun. Throw some butter on it. You're going to love it. All right. So uh, this is the last week of the regular season, and a, and a lot comes down to this week. Um, it determines a lot of the, the conference championships. I mentioned Conference USA already because it is the most important conference, but um, a few of the other conferences, the Power Five conferences, uh are also waiting to find out who their entrants are going to be. SEC is set. We have Georgia versus Alabama. The ACC is also set. Clemson versus Pitt. 
So help me out with this. Uh, the Big 12, it could be Oklahoma versus West Virginia. If West Virginia beats Oklahoma and Texas loses to Kansas? I think that's right. Okay. Um, otherwise, it's and then, Oklahoma and Texas. Yeah. Oklahoma versus Texas and all other scenarios. Yeah. Okay. All right. So then we have the Big Ten. It's definitely going to be Northwestern. And it's funny that that's the, the settled one. It is um, And it's going to be versus Ohio State or Michigan, dependent upon who wins this weekend. And then we have the Pac-12. Again, the settled one is Utah uh, playing against Washington or Washington State, whoever wins the Apple Cup. Uh, So uh, why don't we just uh, go ahead and start with the the previews? Let's do it. All right. First up, we have Auburn playing at Bryant-Denny. Uh, against number one ranked Alabama, you're not going to like to hear this, but Alabama is a 24 and a half point favorite. That's crazy. Uh, this is a 3:30 p.m. game on CBS. It is historically known as the Iron Bowl. So, so a few things. 24 and a half points is a lot. Uh, there hasn't been a difference in. The score like that since I think 2012 when Alabama I think put up 49 points to their zero, um, but I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to college football back then. But it still feels like I don't know that's not likely to happen. Uh, although Alabama has shut out a couple other teams. Uh, other things to note about this game, Damian Harris suffered a mild concussion in the game against Cyrodiil, Cyrodiil, Citadel uh, last week. But as of today, apparently he's cleared the concussion protocol and is cleared to play this weekend if Nick Saban wants to use him. So um, tell me tell me your takes, and then I'm going to tell you my, my anticipated score here. Yeah, I mean, I think with uh... – Auburn at Alabama game. I mean, 24 points sounds like a lot. I, I don't um, – I mean, I don't know. I, it it sounds like a lot. The Auburn game has been intense. If somebody's going to jump up and beat Alabama in the regular season, usually it's an Auburn team. Usually it's a Gus Malzahn sort of offense. And so it makes me hesitant to take the 24 points. Be like, yeah, we can, we can cover that. At the same time, Auburn has not been very good. <laughs> Usually, or a lot of times what will happen is Auburn will start out slow and sluggish in the season, and then it just seems like they build and get better and better, and they're playing at their peak against Alabama. And that's why I'm a little uncomfortable. But this year, Auburn just hasn't done that. Like, they haven't, you know, it would be like the, if they were building toward that, then the Georgia game last week would have been a lot closer. Um and they would have, it would have been Auburn pulls that out or something and builds momentum to the Alabama game, and that makes me afraid of this game. This year, I just don't think I'm afraid that Auburn's going to win it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just that they don't seem like the threat that they could be, or that they have been in the past in this game. And so, um, you know, there's nothing about the offense that, that makes me really scared. There's really nothing about the defense that makes me too scared. Uh, maybe it starts a little slow because uh, Alabama's offense has started slow recently, which is strange. But 
I think Alabama could end up covering this twenty-four points. Um, wow! I think All right. What's your What's your prediction? Not in the way that they go up, you know, forty to seven at halftime and just kind of cruise to it, but I think mm-hmm. it'll just kind of be a slow build where you think, man, this, this might be close, and then after a while, it's like Alabama's just kind of in control and they slowly build a lead. So I think uh, you know Alabama wins uh, something like uh, a thirty-eight to ten. Wow. Okay. I do not have them covering, uh, but I think that maybe uh, I'm hoping Tua is is healthy again. Uh, it seems like Jalen, who also played against Citadel, he, it seems like he's healthy or at least reasonably so. Uh, I'm hoping that maybe we see a, a few of those uh, double quarterback uh, scheme plays. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Alabama puts up a lot of points just to kind of show off, but I'm still not sure I see them covering. So I'm going to say 45 to 28. I mean, I, th- I think that's definitely a possible score. I, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I see Auburn scoring 28 though. Um, you don't, yeah. I, I don't know. They just haven't shown it. Now they could pull, yeah, this is the, as I've said many times, this could be that Auburn has all their eggs in the Alabama basket. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of kind of make their season, and so Gus Malzahn draws up some plays, as it has been in the past, where they pull out some trick plays that we're just not ready for, and they go up fourteen nothing real early. You know, um, it could be that sort of thing. I don't know. I feel like our our defense has slowly gotten better and better, and unless Auburn just decides to run the install and run the triple option the entire game uh, to a high level, I don't think that sort of thing is going to happen. Uh, and as you said, I think a big thing actually is Jalen coming back. He had a touchdown pass against the Citadel, mm-hmm. so he seems healthier. Uh, and I think you'll see some of that Jua, Jua, Tua, and Jalen. There you go. That, that should be their sure. that should be their combined name, Jua. That's terrible. Um, Tua and Jalen on the I field think, at the same time. I prefer Taylen. I think. Yeah, Taylen. Um, yeah. Tulin. Um, yeah. So I think you'll see a lot of that. I, I, I don't. I mean, I don't know that Damian Harris will really matter. I, I wouldn't play him. Uh, the concussion thing, I think, needs to take, be taken a little more seriously. But yeah. if he's medically cleared, whatever the heck that means, then go for it. But we got a stable of running backs. I wouldn't run him too much. And Josh Jacobs has been running like a monster, man. I love that guy. Yeah. The way that he runs is awesome. I would start him. I'd put Najee behind him. If those two guys are just really flat, you need a spark, and Damian Harris is cleared, maybe you throw him in there. But, uh, I mean, I don't know that we – we would necessarily need him to run because of the stable that we have, but yeah. So I, I, I don't. If Auburn scores twenty eight points, oof, I don't know what George is going to do to us. I just, I just think that they get up for the rivalry game. I mean, their season's been a little yeah, bit, I think, that you know, makes lackluster, sense, but, but. And I mean, Auburn Georgia is a, is a rivalry game, and they they put up what ten, I guess, against Georgia. Yeah, um, but is it the same? It, I don't it's, think it's, so. It's not the same. You're right. It's not the same. But they didn't get up for that. Um, they will definitely be up for this, but it's also, I mean, if it were at Jordan hair or something like that, then maybe I'd be, I don't know. I, All right. I, I would be surprised if Auburn puts up 28, but you could very well be right. I just don't think this I, Auburn team. I am almost assuredly wrong. Uh, it, <laughs> it is, it is my nature to be wrong about these things, but, uh, that's, that's my guess. And I'm going to stick with it. So, uh, let's move on. South Carolina, Playing at Clemson, I actually don't have the time or where to find this, but uh, I don't expect it to be much of the game, much of a game. It is the Palmetto Bowl mm. because it is played in the Palmetto, Palmetto State. State. Yeah. Uh, so, 
My thinking is that South Carolina doesn't stand a chance. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't think so. This should be a Clemson blowout, I would think. Yeah, I'm thinking this game could be something like thirty-eight to ten. Yeah, I mean, I think there's several reasons it's going to be a blowout. One, Clemson's a better team. Two, uh, this is a you know ACC versus SEC, mm-hmm. and Clemson's going to want to show that they can dominate at least uh, the middle of the SEC. And so sure. I, I think Clemson's going to put the pedal to the floor just to be able to say, hey, look, yeah, when we played the SEC, look, this is what it looked like. So I think they'll try to I, – if if I – I should say, if I were Dabo, I would try to run up the score um, uh, because style points matter and all those sort of things. So I would uh, – 38-10 is possible. I would think something more like 45-7. Okay. At least that would, that's if I'm Clemson, that's what I'm shooting for. Total domination. All right. Well, I look forward to checking the score online afterwards. All right. Then we have number three, Notre Dame, uh, an 11-point favorite, <laughs> playing at USC. This is an 8 p.m. game on ABC. I don't know that this is a rivalry. Uh, if it is, it doesn't have a name. So a lot is on the line here. Rumor is it that Clay Helton, coach of USC, is coaching for his job. Um, additionally, USC needs a win here to go to a bowl. Uh, Notre Dame needs a win in order to stay in the, the playoff hunt uh, for the first time. Uh, and I don't know. After Notre Dame's dismantling of a ranked Syracuse last week, I'm, I'm not sure I have any doubt here. Um Ian Book seemed to have really taken this program to the next level, and I think they win easily. I, I don't know. There's uh, <laughs> no reason to believe uh, that USC performs much better than Syracuse uh, just because they're technically playing at home. Uh, unless they decide unless they decide to throw a bunch of interceptions, then they might do better. <laughs> they um, to, yeah, but, they bring Sam Darnold back. That's um, right. But uh, maybe I'll give them a little bit of a, the benefit of the doubt. Uh, I'm going to say they score more than three points, uh, but I still think it's something like 35 to 10. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's that's about right. This is a rivalry. There's been there's been some good games uh, recently, most notably perhaps the Bush push uh, when Reggie Bush pushed Matt Leinart into the end zone in the last play of the game to win it for USC over Notre Dame and go on to it now. Uh, I'm pretty sure that game never happened. Wasn't that vacated? Oh, right. Yeah, I forgot. Uh, they never played that game. So, um, so I mean, it is a kind of a historic robbery, but... Um, Without a name? Yeah, I don't Come know. Come on, guys. Name your rivalries. Well, I think it's called the Notre Dame versus USC rivalry. They get really creative Lame. with this stuff. Um, we could come up with one. There's got to be something you can do with Trojan and Irish. That All right. I'll think on it. You tell me your thoughts. Um but yeah, I mean, USC is just not very good this year at all. I, I don't think that Clay Hill should have his job on the line, which is just crazy the way that we fire coaches. But um, Notre Dame is coming on stronger and stronger. USC looks pretty terrible. I think something like 35-10 is, is right. Uh, I'll go 38-7. All right. Uh, fair. I didn't think of a name for the rivalry. You didn't, <laughs> you didn't have enough analysis for me. Uh, uh, yeah. No. Let's move on. Uh, our next matchup has a really creative rivalry name. Number four, Michigan, uh, four and a half point favorite 
uh, playing at number 10 ranked Ohio State. This is a noon game on Fox. Probably, probably the game of the weekend. Probably the best matchup of the weekend. This is called the game. Uh, so to preview this game, Michigan uh, has lost uh, a disproportionate number of these recent matchups. I don't believe they've won any of the last six, uh, which I think covers the entirety of the Jim Harbaugh era. Uh, and they've won just two of the last 17. Uh, despite this allegedly being a big rivalry, uh, Michigan just does not, I don't know, typically get up for this game. But uh, there's reason to believe that things could go very differently this year. So, uh, Ohio State, uh, what they have going for them is, I think, mostly their passing game. They have Dwayne Haskins. Um, if, if Tua wasn't... Uh, doing what he's done this year Dwayne Haskins would probably be much more in the Heisman uh, conversation uh, even though Ohio State as an entire unit hasn't been uh, doing so well he has been performing pretty well he's completing nearly 70% of his passes on the year averaging uh, 8.7 yards per attempt um, meanwhile I think their the run game is led mostly by J.K. Dobbins and Mike Weber and, and basically no one else uh, but that that doesn't really matter because Dwayne Haskins has been doing all the heavy lift, lifting. So then you have Michigan, okay? Uh, Shea Patterson's their quarterback. He has pretty similar stats, actually. 65% of his passes, he's completing 8.5 yards per, per attempt. Um, and on the ru- rushing side, they have kind of a deeper roster of folks. Um, I think at least five people rushing like with over 50 carries on the, on the season. Uh, so the trouble I see it is Ohio State doesn't seem to have a run defense we didn't talk about the ohio state maryland game but they gave up 340 yards to maryland and no disrespect to maryland uh i mean obviously they they came to play that game um but the caliber of the athletes who go to maryland and ohio state is dramatically different um but ohio state's pass defense isn't good either so i i did some research uh the ncaa website has like ranks teams team passing efficiency defense i have no idea how that metric is formed but <laughs> ohio state is 46th in the fbs meanwhile michigan is number one uh and the run defense michigan is 14th and ohio state doesn't even crack the top 50 um and then you know what just as an aside can i point out that uh UAB is the top 20 in both of these metrics. Nice. Um, so Point it out. I'm so proud of them. Point um, it out. So, uh, I mean, for, for me, this game will probably be close, but uh, Michigan, I don't know. I, I think they're able to move the ball through the air or through the ground. Um, I think they come with a win, and I think they cover the spread. So uh, I'm going to say 35-28. Yeah, I, this will be a really interesting game. I It just feels like Michigan's going to dominate this game. Ohio State feels like, I mean, the Maryland game, they went down uh, pretty big, just getting dominated in the first part of that game, and then they were able to come back. But if they, if they go down early against this defense, Ohio State's not going to be able to do what they did against Maryland in that defense. It'll it, it'll look a little bit more like the, the Purdue game where Purdue just kept pulling away and pulling away and pulling away. I don't think there will be as many points scored, but you combine Michigan's defense, like you said, especially with their pass defense being so top-notch against Dwayne Haskins. Their run defense isn't bad. 
and you combine that with the horrible run defense of Ohio State and Michigan just kind of three yards in a cloud of dust style of football, they'll just pound it up the middle all day long. I, It's really hard to see how, how Ohio State comes out of this with a win, um, much less, in my mind, even really keeping it close. You know, I, I thought Maryland would play them close. And Michigan is a far superior team than to Maryland. It's a rivalry game, so maybe it's a little bit closer at the beginning. But I mean, I see Michigan winning this pretty big, um, especially for this game. Um, I'll say thirty-eight seventeen Wolverines. All right. Uh, can I just point one other thing out about the Ohio State Maryland game? It is it is painful to watch these Ohio State games because. Urban Meyer is over on the sideline, and it he's his suffering is palpable. Now, I don't – like, at first I thought it was maybe just the performance of his team, and in that way I was able to enjoy it a little bit, but it's clear that it's it's got to be his, his, his health issues, which just makes me feel sorry for him. Yeah. I, uh, and, like, maybe he should uh, attend to those things. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little tough to watch, especially when the camera focuses on him. He's not. He's not very happy. He's definitely uh, not doing great. But um, you know, the other thing about Ohio State's defense, the reason, part of the reason I think they're so bad is Nick Bosa just left in, oh, yeah. in the middle of the season um, at defensive end. He was a. You know, he got an injury, and then instead of staying with the team and potentially coming back by the end of the season, he just kind of left the team. And even if he's not on the field, the presence of a guy like Nick Bosa. Who is one of the best was one of the best defense players in the country? He's it's not that he's like not playing; it's that he's not in the locker room anymore. He left the school, like he withdrew from the school in order to focus on the NFL draft. And so you don't have one of your not only one of your top playmakers on the field, but you also don't have his presence in uh, you know film and and on the sideline and encouraging guys and coaching up guys and uh, helping them see what he's seeing, all those sort of things. And I think that's a huge loss that we're not really talking. It's not just Ohio State defense is bad. It's that Nick Bosa isn't there. And if you plug him in, I guarantee you it's a lot better than it was. And so, I mean, morale has to be low. Um, Urban doesn't seem too excited about what's going on in in any direction. And I think Michigan takes advantage of that and just dominates them this weekend. Yeah. Uh, If you are listening out there and you want to see uh, an enjoyable bit of football, you can – Go and watch that Ohio State Maryland game. Just like the last three minutes um, of yeah the the regular time going into the overtime. Uh, I forget this. I think it was fifty two fifty one, and uh, that was in the first. It ended in the first overtime. Um, it, but it was really enjoyable. Very back and forth. It was very enjoyable. Uh, anyway, then we have Georgia Tech playing at Athens against number five Georgia. This game is called the clean old-fashioned hate game which i think is a terrible name um (laughs) uh, i don't have the the line here or the time or anything so my question here i I said i would wait because we're going to talk about this game uh but my question here is is this going to be much of a matchup so georgia tech is notoriously a, a a triple option team right uh, and Alabama struggled against a triple option from a team that presumably can't recruit at Georgia Tech's level. Uh, so is this different because Georgia is used to playing them every year? They're just used to defending against the triple option? I mean, 
Yeah, I think it's I think it's different because precisely for that reason. I mean, the the reason the triple option is hard to defend is you don't see it that often, and then it's very the, the assignments are all different. So you have one week against a much lesser opponent to prepare. Again, the focus isn't going to be there, all that kind of stuff. But if you're Georgia or a team like Georgia who plays a triple option team every year, then you are not. It's not just this week that you're practicing against it. It's something one that you've practiced year in year out. Right, so if you're a sophomore, junior, or senior, this is something that you've practiced practiced for and played against before. But also, it's something that over the summer, like you're, it's one of the things that you're talking about. It's one of the things that you look at film for. It's one of the things that you practice as you're preparing for different teams and the styles of offense that they're going to run. And so, for that reason, it's not going to be, you know, it's not just a once-off thing. I think this will, George will be ready for this, and it won't be close. Uh, Georgia, right. Georgia will dominate this game and and win handily. Score? Uh, I mean, you know, with the triple option every now and then, you can you can break off something. So I'll give Georgia Tech ten points, but uh, I think Georgia scores thirty one, so thirty one ten. All right, I have twenty eight seven. All right, then we have uh, number six Oklahoma playing against number thirteen ranked West Virginia. A field goal dog here. So this is an 8 p.m. game on ESPN. Again, I did not find a name for this if it is a rivalry. Um, but this game will tell us who the Big 12 champion contender is. So uh, I, I don't I don't have a read on this game. I would love to see West Virginia win because uh, I guess in recent history they haven't been the greatest. And I say recent, meaning the last, I don't know, three or so years. Uh, but they've done really well this year with Will Greer at the helm. Um, I don't know. I just like their storyline a little bit better. Plus Dana Holgerson is, is you know, a nut. Uh, he's he's the train yard hobo, and you know he's he's kind of a, a lovable little hobo guy. So I don't know. I would love to see him him win here, uh, and it would be a, a nice end to their season. So I'm, I'm going to I'm going to side with them here, but I, I think maybe they win by uh, a couple points. This could be a a close one. It'll probably be a shootout, but just because it is the Big Twelve. Um, let's say, uh, I don't know, 45-42. Yeah, this is interesting. Did we, did we go over all the scenarios for the Big 12? Because I think if, so, if West Virginia wins and Texas So if West wins, Virginia wins and Texas wins, uh, then I think this is where I was a little confused because then the top three will all be – uh, six and two, or seven, seven, and seven two. and two, yeah. with West Virginia having the head-to-head against both Oklahoma and Texas. But then Texas, right? but Texas has the head-to-head over Oklahoma. Okay, so okay, so we did go through Texas. So if West Virginia wins, then obviously they're not out of it. Then, then, uh, then it'll be West Virginia playing against Texas. Okay. All right, so there's there's that on the line here. So West Virginia, yeah. this wouldn't be the end of their season if they win here. 
Yeah, so um, so I think yeah, the way it ends up breaking down is whoever wins West Virginia or Oklahoma that 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 team is in the Big Twelve. So this is this is a game. This game is to get into the Big Twelve title game. Yes. Um, then it depends on what if I, Texas can beat Kansas, right? Which is going to be a tough. Even though Les Miles isn't there yet, the the mystique of the Mad Hatter, that, the energy's there around around the program, yeah. Um, so I think uh, this game is. Let me ask you this: to watch. So uh, Oklahoma has no defense. Yeah, <laughs> Carly, uh, I, mean, I believe Kyler Murray is unbelievable. Yeah. Um, West Virginia comes in; they're a little bit up and down. Uh, I think. Um, it's hard not to take Oklahoma and Kyler Murray when you match up. When you put it all out on the table, I think Oklahoma's offense ends up winning. I think your score's uh, about right. I'll go, I'll, be, I'll do a little bit more. I'll go 48-45 Sooners. Wouldn't that be exciting? So if Texas does lose to Kansas, do you think Kansas is just like, oh, maybe the trick all along was just not having a head coach, and then they just say, hey, Les, <laughs> take a walk? Uh, <laughs> no, I think they're like, Les, come on. It's kind of like the same thing as not having a head coach. It'll be crazy. <clears throat> He's going to make some crazy calls. You know, they'll probably, yeah, it'll it'll be wild. I think they'll they'll not say it's not about not having a head coach. I think they'll say it's about having the mystique of the Mad Hatter associated with the program, bring him even mm. closer in, maybe give him more money than we thought we were going to originally. Put him, get, put him the hat. Don't let him make any play calls. Just let him walk up and down the sideline. Be a pure figurehead. Be beautiful. That actually would be pretty good. I, I'd probably turn into at least one Kansas game next year. <laughs> All right. Then we have number seven, LSU, his former stomping ground, uh, playing against number 22-ranked Texas A&M, uh, field goal favorite here. Which I assume is coming largely just from the fact that they're playing at home. They're they're favored to win over LSU. Um, this is a seven thirty game on the SEC network, which is kind of surprising because it's a ranked versus ranked. But that's just how much that's how much action we got going on that uh, a ranked versus ranked has played on the SEC network. Uh, I don't think that this is a rivalry since Texas A and M is a recent addition to the SEC. I'm guessing there's probably not a whole lot of history here, but I could be wrong. Um, so here's my assessment here. I, I can speak as someone whose team recently played at Kyle field. Uh, it makes a difference. Um, I don't know. LSU's season's probably not going to end the way they want. I, I'm not sure they make the playoff, even if everyone loses uh, above them because they probably don't get a spot after they won't get a spot above Alabama after failing to put up any points in that game. Uh, but I think they, they need a win here just to secure a New Year's Six Bowl, I think. Maybe they could lose and still get one. Um, but I think they need at least a respectable showing. Uh, so I, I think LSU wins here. I, I don't see Texas A&M winning. Uh, but I, I think it's low scoring. I'm going to say something like uh, 21-18. Yeah, I think that that's about right. You know, LSU's a lot tougher at home than they are on the road. Kyle Field's not the easiest place to play. A lot of energy. Uh, it's a very cool venue. So, you take LSU, not there, uh, not at home, put them in Kyle Field. I think that it makes a little bit of a closer game, but I think LSU wins it 28-24 um, 
over the Aggies. All right. We got number eight ranked Washington State playing at number 16 ranked Washington. 8.30 p.m. game. You can catch us on ESPN. This is called the Apple Cup. What an adorable name for a cup. Um, so Washington State is kind of the real deal. They, they've had one loss in the season. They are still the Pac-12's only hope of getting into a playoff, uh, although admittedly there has to be a little bit of chaos above them. Um, I'm not sure we've mentioned Gardner Minshew on this podcast at all this year, which is probably a disservice. Uh, he is Washington State's quarterback, uh, and I probably have avoided talking about him because he's got a creepy mustache and I can't get on board with it. But uh, <laughs> it's uh, he's actually been pretty good this year. He completes over 70% of his attempts. He's thrown for 36 touchdowns on the season, tied for first with, uh, I don't know, I don't have it written here, someone, who knows. Um, but uh, I think he's thrown like seven interceptions <laughs> which is maybe why he's not in the Heisman conversation as much. But, I mean, he's made this this team legit. So I actually – I'm going to go with the Cougars here to win uh, outright. They – I would love to see them win the, the Pac-12. Uh, I don't know. But I don't have a great score on this game just because – Washington's a little bit weird. Didn't they have like a really low scoring game, something like ten to seven or something stupid well, they, recently? Well, they lost to Cal twelve to ten. Yes, that's the game. Yeah. So, so I think I, I know it's the Apple Cup, you know, which you hear Apple Cup and your just your blood starts to boil. So <sighs> maybe this is an exciting game. Just, uh, just get so amped. Yeah. The Apple Cup coming <laughs> this weekend. Apple in a like, cup. So the only thing you possibly think of anything Apple Cup is rough and tumble football. Just right. smash mouth football. Um, yeah. Well, you, can, you got to, to me, you got to take the Cougars in this game, mainly because Washington really hasn't showed up in any of their big games. Auburn game, they lost. Uh, the Oregon game was a big game. I mean, they showed up, but they, they're losing these games. Uh, they lose to Oregon and kind of what was what was built up as a big game. Then they lose to Cal. Cal is terrible. Terrible. 12-10. Uh, to 10. Uh, you know, UCLA, uh, I guess they've won a couple games now, but they haven't been great. They beat them 31-24. They beat Arizona State only 27-20. to 20. Uh, They barely pull out a win against a struggling Stanford team. I don't, they just don't seem like a very good football team at the end of the day, I guess is what I'm saying. And Washington State has shown up and, and won those big games. Um, although I think they lost to USC, maybe? That's their yeah, one loss. That's a good loss. That's uh, a, a great loss. It's, it's aged very well. <laughs> um, and so I think uh, I think you got to go with uh, the Cougars. You got to go with Gardner Minshew, and that that wonderful, beautiful, glorious stash that he has. Um, it is, oh, it is uncomfortable. <laughs> trying to predict a score is a little difficult, but I think Washington wins something like thirty-one seventeen. Washington State, sorry, wins thirty-one seventeen. All right, I have twenty-one fourteen. 
uh, yeah. I don't need, I don't, I don't want to spend any more time talking about that mustache. All right. Uh, then we have number nine ranked, nine, Mark, mm-hmm. nine ranked UCF. I keep wanting to say UFC, but that's something different entirely. Playing at number nothing ranked USF. This is called the War on I-4. And this was actually a really great matchup last year. Um, mm-hmm. I don't remember the exact score. I think it was the, it ended something like forty-five to forty-two, um, but uh, USF came to play. Uh, I don't know that either team is as good as they were last year, frankly. Even though UCF never got to number nine last year, uh, I th- I think this is another shootout, frankly. But uh, I- I'm going to say something like thirty-eight. 35? Is that still a shootout? Yeah, it's a shootout, sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, South Florida's is not that good, I don't think. Uh, this is the war on I-4, Mark. But it is the war on I-4, I apologize. Almost as intense as the Apple Cup. Uh, the, the Apple Cup. <laughs> uh, they have, uh, I think South Florida's lost a couple in a row now at this point. Uh, to Cincinnati and to Temple. Cincinnati's uh, ranked. Temple is a is a good program. They are a good program, but South Florida's lost a couple in a row. They are playing the number nine, Golden Knights. Um, I, I don't see this being close, man. Uh, I think UCF wins uh, 42-24. All right, so those are all of our big previews we want to do. Uh, but uh, there are a lot of Power 5 programs that have bowl games on the line here. And when I say they have bowl games on the line, what I really mean is that they're playing for their sixth win to ensure a bowl. I think that there's kind of a lot of disparity this year, and someone was talking about it a few weeks ago, but basically that there would not be near enough teams, like six uh, win teams to, to fill all the bowl games that we have these days. So probably some some five win teams will get in there. But uh, this just means we have too many bowl games, in my opinion. Yes, probably. All right. So what I want to do real quick is uh, go through a list of these teams that are playing for bowl eligibility or six wins, and you will tell me will they or won't they be bowl eligible. Okay. All right. So first up, we have what I guess is called the Sunshine Showdown. It's hard to say. I've never heard it called that, Um, but it's FSU versus Florida. FSU needs this to get bowl eligible to keep their streak alive. Florida is still ranked. Uh, Does FSU get this win? No. No. That's sad. (laughs) That's true. I don't think so either, but I'm going to cheer for them. Uh, USC, we already talked about. Uh, they're playing Notre Dame. They need the win for bowl eligibility. Then we have Ole Miss versus Mississippi State in the Egg Bowl. Ole Miss needs this win to get bowl eligible. Do they get it? No. No, absolutely not. We have Wake Forest playing against Duke. Uh, Duke is, uh, I think, a 7-5 and five team right now. 7-4 seven, seven seven and four team. Uh, so Wake Forest, do they get this win? No, I have a lot of no. It's a lot of negativity. It's so much negativity, but I, I have a chance you'll be able to turn things around. Maryland is playing at Penn State, I think. Oof. 
Maryland needs this for bowl eligibility. They do. I, I'm kind of torn on this, but I think Penn State needs to win here in order for them to be in a New Year's Six bowl. So they both have something on the line. Yeah, I I would really like Maryland uh, to get to a bowl this season. It would be a good story. So I'm going to say yes for the Terps. Yeah, I'm definitely going to cheer for them. All right, then we have Minnesota playing against Wisconsin, which I don't – Wisconsin just kind of disappeared. The, the national title contending Wisconsin battles. <laughs> they are 7-4, and four, Wisconsin. <laughs> what That's the heck happened? That's a disappointing season, yeah. Um, do they get this win? Uh, you know, row the boat. They get it. Are they still rowing the boat over there? Uh, yeah, what's that dude's name? Fleck, PJ Fleck. Fleck. Yeah. I mean, he's he's there, but I don't know if he took that with him. I think he did. All right. All if right, he didn't, he should have. Sure. Row the boat, Minnesota. Minnesota, I believe, is the land of ten thousand lakes, so there's plenty yeah. of places to row. A lot of All right. boats. Then we have Arizona versus Arizona State. Oh, this is it's great. called the Territorial Cup because <laughs> Arizona used to be a territory. Uh, so Arizona State with Herm Edwards at the helm mm-hmm. is already bowl eligible, mm. but Arizona needs this win to secure their own bowl. What do you I, think? Uh, I really hope they don't. I, you do. You hope they don't. Yeah, I want. I want. Uh, I'm saying no. Arizona doesn't get this one. I want the Fighting Herm Edwards to close the door on the Fighting Mike Thomas. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Who doesn't want to cheer for Herm? Um, all right. Then we have Kansas State playing Iowa State. Iowa State already bowl eligible. I don't think there's a, a name for this matchup. Does Kansas State get the win? They do not. No. Mm-hmm. All right. Colorado versus Cal. Does Colorado Good. end their season with a win? They don't have a head coach. Oh, man. Cal. But they are playing Cal. Uh, this is a tough one. Um, I'm going to say they get it, you know, just to All right. close out the season on a high note. All right, just so you know, the spread on this game is 12.5 points in favor of, of Cal. Yeah, I'm going Buffaloes. All right. Good luck, Colorado. Then we have TCU playing against Oklahoma State. TCU needs this. Jeez. I know. Disappointing How far season. they've fallen. Oklahoma State also just barely bowl eligible here. Oklahoma State's had a couple big wins. Um, yeah, I don't think the Horn Frogs get there. Yeah, no, I'm going no for the Horn Frogs. Apologies. All right, and then this will actually help with uh, to balance out some of your negativity because I'm going to go through three games in which one of the teams. Uh, will definitely get into a bowl. The other one will not. Well, I'll just tell tell you who won't get into a bowl. Keep the negativity going. (laughs) So Purdue is playing against Indiana, and they're both playing for bowl eligibility. This is called the bucket game. Oh, yeah. Do you know what the difference between this game and a bucket of crap will be? (laughs) (laughs) Nothing, Mark. (laughs) Nothing. Oh my gosh, that is incredible. Um, yeah, I'm kidding. I'm gonna, Who doesn't want Purdue to win? Yeah, I'm definitely. So the positivity will we'll get started right here. Purdue gets to a bowl game. I mean, they're surging. Oh, they look, yeah. they look very good. All right, 
Go Boilermakers. All right. Then we have Baylor versus Texas Tech. Again, both playing for a bowl unofficially because it's Baylor University, BU, and Texas Tech, TT. This is called the Butt Bowl, (laughs) uh, which I just thought the Butt Bowl was called a toilet, but you do you, Texas schools. I don't care. Uh, Who who gets bowl eligible here? Uh, Texas Tech, Red Raiders. I agree. I agree. All right, and then very excitingly, we have Tennessee versus Vanderbilt. Does Tennessee make it to a bowl? Or does Vanderbilt? Uh, I mean, this is uh, for all the marbles. This is this is big stuff. This is shocking. Um, <laughs> in in what respect are you? I mean, saying in, that? in every respect, this is shocking. I mean, I, to me, Tennessee, based on what I expected them to do, what most people expected them to do, with the yeah. schedule that they had to be fighting for bowl eligibility, is pretty clutch. But it's also very sad that this is where Tennessee, the program's at. Uh, very proud of Stuart program. And they're fighting for bowl eligibility against Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. Um, and they might not get it. Yeah, but I'm going to go with the Volunteers. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt and the Volunteers get bowl eligibility. And sadly, Vanderbilt. So they're playing at Vanderbilt. Does not. And uh, yeah, the Vanderbilt, line Vanderbilt favors Vanderbilt by a, a field goal. Yeah, Vanderbilt, not a hard place to play. Just, you know. Uh, I disagree. But, Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, the entire Vanderbilt team almost ran across the field to murder Florida earlier this year. So it can be a very threatening place to play. (laughs) Yeah, uh, the Vols get the victory. All right. I'm, I'm going for Vanderbilt. I think they get the win here. All right. Jeremy Pruitt, your season's next year. I mean... It almost has to be. <laughs> all right. So that's all the games I have. Uh, UAB playing Middle Tennessee. They obviously get that win. I mean, there's no sense in even talking about it. Uh, but that's all the games I have to talk about. Do you have anything else you want to talk about? I think that's about it. Um, you know, I think once once the dust has settled and we have the college football playoff, I'll have a lot more to say about such things as the UCF Golden Knights, etc. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. All right. Uh, again, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and uh, wherever else you can find podcasts. Uh, please rate and review us. It really helps with our rankings. So until this rivalry week is over, we will catch you all next time. Adios. Adios.